A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Top Stories, I'm producer Chris. Now we're going all the way back to October 2009 and there was a panic about the state of oil production in the far off year of 2020. (laughs) Surprise, surprise, those in charge were sticking their fingers in their ears. Here are John and Andy in Bugle issue 93. Oil is running out, bring on the new Stone Age. Top Story this week and oil. We drank our milkshake. We drank it up. That's my Daniel Day-Lewis. Have you seen There Will Be Blood, Andy? Yeah, uh, no, I haven't. Well, I mean, that's in which case, I mean, that, that was probably completely inexplicable, that reference to you, wasn't it? All right, it's on my list of films to watch just below your one. It is excellent. <laughs> and I don't want you to then realise what a clever reference that was All and, right, okay. you know, chuckle for five minutes and miss something important in the movie. All right. But okay. it's, it's excellent. Anyway, a new report... <laughs> has revealed that there is a significant risk that global production of conventional oil could peak and decline 
by 2020. Now, this has caused some panic because it turns out that 2020 is in most people's lifetimes and is therefore a very serious issue. <laughs> if it wasn't until a year like 2120, then that falls very much on the not-my-problem file and becomes a surprise gift to be unwrapped by future generations along with the issue of nuclear waste storage. For a start, Andy, whose fault is it that we're running out of oil? Is it not the fault of animals? which are not dying and decaying quickly enough. <laughs> Come on, antelopes. My new headphones need some shrink wrap. Get down and break down. <laughs> See, I have to wait a few billion years for that. It's most, mostly plant matter, anyway. Let's chuck a few animals in there, probably make your car go faster. There you go. Literally a bit of tiger in your tank. <laughs> you are not telling me that antelope oil would not be better. You're not telling me that. I think, actually, if you, if you have any spare vegetables in your fridge, if you just... Get your heaviest friend to sit on them for <laughs> there you go. ten thousand years. You might get a bit of usable oil. It's got to be worth. We have a go. to take personal responsibility because the world's basic attitude, John, towards uh, this problem that a number of uh, academics and economists have warned about for several decades now. The basic world attitude has always been, nah, it'll be fine. Oh, it's a lovely day, what are you complaining about? There's always one miserable fly trying to shit in everyone's soup. Has oil ever run out before? No. So you can't possibly know what you're talking about. People said the dinosaurs would never run out, and look at them now. Everywhere. Oh, sorry, I'm getting them mixed up with women. But the point stands. <laughs> exactly. The UK Energy Research uh, Centre study said that there is a consensus that the era of cheap oil is at an end. Uh, the US Energy Centre responded by saying, la 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 la, I'm not listening, la 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 la, I can't hear you. The UK Energy Centre in turn said, I said the era of cheap oil is at an end. The US Energy Centre responded, oh, sorry, what's that? I'm, I'm going through a tunnel. The UK Energy Centre retorted, no, you're not. You're sitting right in front of me. There will be no more cheap oil. And the US Energy Centre screamed, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear anything you just said. Then attempted to escape by throwing themselves out of a fifth floor window. <laughs> this is standard response, John. Whenever the oil problem is raised, world leaders stick their fingers in their ears and start reciting the lyrics to the hit song, Build Me up buttercup by the foundations <laughs> as this transcript from a 2004 white house press conference reveals mr bush mr bush what are you planning to do to secure energy supplies to america once global production declines and bush replies and worst of all worst of all you never call baby when you say you will say you will but i love you still mr bush that's not really answering the question is your foreign and environmental policy not sending america down a path of economic and cultural unsustainability well that's an interesting question let me phrase my response in a slightly different way way baby baby try to find hey 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 a little time and i'll make you mine hey 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 i'll be home i'll be beside the phone waiting for you ooh 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 ooh, ooh. why do you build build me up build me up on a cup oh will you let me down you're gonna push me around i need you more than anyone baby you see have you got your album deal yet it's catchy. That's the point. If you start, if any politician started singing that, even the most staunch environmentalists couldn't help but, but join in. <laughs> Why don't you? What are we talking about? That's a great song, isn't it? That's a great song. One of the all-time greats, uh, written by Mike Darbo. Was he Manfred Mann? Tell me that that was off the internet and not actually out of your head. I'm not, I'm not going to reveal that to uh, my, my sources. I think no. you've answered my question with that. <laughs> Uh, the new report also warns that most governments, including the UK's, uh, exhibit little concern about oil depletion. Well, for a start, no shit. And for a finish, well, here's the problem. You know, we love oil, Andy. We're addicted to it. 
We like making stuff out of it, setting fire to it, putting it in our cars, and pouring it over our supermodels for high-concept avant-garde fashion shoots. <laughs> we love it. And like is that Emmy... what you're doing for your next fashion? <laughs> oh, next of course, GQ shoot. Of course it is. I'm going to wear a lovely dress and cover myself in... <laughs> Crude oil. I think if I was covered in crude oil, that probably the manufacturer of the clothes would imply that it didn't actually look worse than when I wore them for real. <laughs> the problem is also, like any addiction, you, you really can't see far enough to care about the long-term consequences. If you said to a heroin addict, you're not going to like this, but I think we've peaked our production of opium and one day there will be none left. They're going to say to you, oh, that's interesting. Why don't we have this conversation after I've taken all the heroin that's in the world? <laughs> Then you will have my attention. Then. So what will happen after uh, peak oil? Basically, demand for oil will outpace production. The price will then shoot upwards like a woman's eyebrows in conversation with Silvio Berlusconi. And then oil-based economies will collapse like a badly timed souffle. And this could lead to a number of things, including increased resources conflicts. And, you know, John, this, is, this has always been this, uh, this way. People always say wars are about the oil. Yeah, this is not a new thing. In the days before cars and heavy industry, petrol wasn't worth the ground. It was still underneath at the time. In the Middle Ages, the horse, of course, was basically the modern-day car. Yep. And the Crusades were about getting access to the world's most plentiful supply of hay. And as soon Back. as Saladin and the hay cartels in Ohek yanked up the prices, Richard the Lionheart couldn't get his ass over there quickly enough. The Jesus pretext was as smoky as screens get. Uh, of course, cynics said the Iraq War was all about the oil, but it wasn't. As we know, it was about democracy giving democracy to the Iraqis. But the Iraqi cabinet, democratically elected, was so grateful at being given the precious, if slightly shop-soiled, gift of democracy that they, in turn, very generously passed uh, the draft of a bill to open Iraqi oil to Western companies for the first time since it was nationalised in 1972 by the six-foot-two-inch former genocide enthusiast Saddam Hussein. Now, this was a controversial bill uh, a couple of summers ago, and it was described by a journalist in the Asia Times as, quote, nothing less than the institutional raping and pillaging of Iraq's oil resources. Which is a bit histrionic, John, because if there's one thing we know about the oil industry, it is its scrupulous fairness in redistributing its wealth back into the communities whence it came. That is why the people of Siberia own Chelsea Football Club. And it must be a source of real consolation to old Arkady Grigorievich as he comes back from another hard day at the refinery, sips on his nightly gruel, sits on what's left of his sofa, puts Sky Sports on and watched Andrei Shevchenko sitting on the bench for two years whilst thinking to himself, I paid for that. That's all the central heating I need. (laughs) That's right. The oil companies, Andy, very much practice trickle-down economics. But what is trickling down is urine onto the faces of the poorest people in the world. (laughs) The authors of this report also acknowledge that much of the data is unreliable due to the fact that countries and companies are notoriously reticent to talk about their oil reserves. It's just not a topic of polite conversation, Andy. It's what they say about dinner parties. Never ask people about money, religion or their oil reserves. (laughs) It's just vulgar. It's like a country's penis size. You wouldn't ask the highest-ranking male official of each nation to whip their schlongs out and flap them on, onto the UN conference table. Part of the attraction is the mystery. Well, I don't know, John, bearing in mind what you told us about your recent uh, effort on The Daily Show. It sounds like you're pretty much heading that way. You know? <laughs> Stop it. You must, have asked, the, you must have asked Clinton at your, the, at your special dinner. 
I didn't not ask him. Right. Did you ask him in a physical way? I just asked him with my eyes, <laughs> with my stance, you know, with my attitude. And your tape the, measure. Yeah. <laughs> the UK government, for instance, very rarely mentions uh, the issue in official publications. We are repressed even about our own oil production. <laughs> we just blush and stammer like Hugh Grant, like a cartoon Englishman <laughs> in four weddings and a funeral. Ah, uh, the, uh, oil production. Yes, well, um, in, in, in the words of William Yates, uh, well, well, one cannot have enough oil. Yeah, look, look at Corgi over there. <laughs> Bye. It's not just oil that's running out, John. The World Wildlife Fund reports back in 2002 said that at the current rate of plundering, the Earth will be totally and utterly <laughs> by 2050. Now, I don't think they use those exact words, but they might as well have done in their panda suits. They claim a third of the natural world has been destroyed by humanity in the last three decades, and only 15% of that can be attributed to Jennifer Aniston's notorious Rampage of Devastation tour in 1999. <laughs> but since then, since that report came out in 2002, well, the world basically is responded by scratching its collective nuts and thinking to itself, yeah, we probably should do something about that. Still, 2050... That's ages away. So what are the solutions, John, I guess, uh, when it comes to all these resources? One solution would be uh, stop breeding so much. That's not an option because, A, people like humping for whatever reason, and, uh, B, the Pope says that's not allowed. God, as we know, hates condoms. He doesn't know why. He's got a thing about balloons, too. Anything that's too stretchy makes him feel queasy. Uh, (laughs) Apparently Zeus was the same. That's actually the best explanation for the Catholics' (laughs) position on birth control I've ever heard. (laughs) God gets nauseous around stretchy things. It's a phobia he's got. <laughs> he used to crack out an earthquake whenever he heard it. Zeus was the that same. and cotton wool when it's pulled apart. Oh dear. So the worst case scenario, John, is basically war, famine, fire, pestilence. Yes. Basically dusting off their jockey's gear and parading around the paddock like they really mean business this time. Uh-huh. And also, you know, the fifth horseman of the modern apocalypse, a squeeze on the budget for TV panel shows. And humanity will then be thrust into, quotes, a post-industrial stone age under this worst-case scenario theory, all of which, I'm afraid, cast serious doubts over the long-term future of the bugle. That really puts in perspective. I, I, I need it, John. It's the only thing that gets me out of the house these days. <laughs> and let's be positive about this. The stone age wasn't all bad, was it? You know, men were men and women were hot. Also, people didn't play their personal stereos too loudly in the Stone Age. There was no that's, Twitter. That's true. House prices were affordable. Um, they were. They very were. affordable. Yeah. A lot of potential in a lot of those properties as well. Uh, you could paint yourself blue and no one would bat an eyelid. You know, they were much more open-minded about painting yourself blue in those days. So, you know, I'm not sure we should be so negative about returning to the Stone Age. You've made your f- point. And we need to put this in context, John. A recent report said that... More than half of babies now born in the UK and other first world nations will live till they're 100. Now, is that true? That is true, yeah, oh, according no. to this report. And clearly, bearing in mind these looming problems of the resources of the world, they might live to 100, but they won't want to. Thanks for listening, Buglers. Go tell a friend about this show, sort of quite aggressively but enthusiastically. You could also maybe leave a nice review or a comment somewhere. Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Threads, the uh, public toilet cubicle wall. More soon. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. 
God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.